Hey everybody, welcome to the video. Chris Mel here to break down some NASCAR DFS and betting for the Instacar 500 this weekend at Phoenix Raceway. And yes, NASCAR continues its quest out west as we move from one desert in Las Vegas to the next desert in Phoenix before we head back out east to Atlanta Motor Speedway. And yes, this is a short track. It's not the shortest track out there, but it's still classified as a short track. And I'm a big fan of short track racing, so I'm looking forward to this race. I'm sure you guys are as well. But before we continue, make sure you leave a like on the video. The more you guys interact with the content, leaving likes, comments, feedback, all that good stuff, it's going to help push the video out to more people on YouTube. So we do appreciate that. And if you're new to the channel, if you haven't already, make sure you hit that subscribe button. There's a lot of good content that comes on the channel each and every single day. I come on here every single week, but Sal's on here every single day posting his content. He brings an MMA guy on. Lots of good content, so I don't think you're going to regret subscribing. And while you're at it, you might as well hit that notification bell as well, so you don't miss out whenever new content gets posted to this channel. And lastly, we can't forget about the sponsor of the show, Superdraft. It's a newer site, but we love the things they are doing over there. It's a very fun site to play on. It's their multipliers create a different strategy when creating lineups compared to other DFS sites. So take advantage of the overlay that happens on the site often. As the more overlay there is, the better likelihood you'll have of winning money. So if you want to check it out, sign up using the link down below and use code SAL to get hooked up for a free money bonus up to $500. It's free money, so check it out. I don't see why not. So again, that is code SAL. And sign up down below and tell them we sent you. And with that being said, that's it for the plug. So let's get right into today's video. Alright, so before we get into the meat and potatoes of this video, I do want to give you guys a bit of a show plan in case you happen to be new to the channel and you don't know really what to expect. So we're going to go over three main things here. We're going to talk some strategy, which is very important in NASCAR DFS, as is pretty much is for every single sport, but each track is different, and each track you're going to have a bit of a different build. So I'll kind of go over that when we talk about Phoenix, because if you're at Phoenix, Daytona, a road course, the strategy is going to change from week to week. Then we're going to go over the picks kind of based off of their price ranges. Then some of my favorite bets as of right now, Thursday afternoon for the race on Sunday. So it's kind of what you should expect, and we'll get into the strategy portion of this video. All right, so getting into the strategy for Phoenix, it's nothing out of the ordinary, but it is a shorter flat track. And since it's a shorter track, we typically have more laps at these shorter tracks. So we have 312 laps. It's one mile in length. And since we have over 300 laps, we have close to 220 total dominator points available for this race. So dominators are going to be a bit important. Tracks like Daytona for the Daytona 500 or road courses, dominators aren't really the most important thing in the world since there's a real lack of laps and the dominator points are just kind of hard to come by. But a track like this where we have over 300 laps and typically the cars up front are picking up the fast laps and they're kind of easy to project who those kind of cars are going to be, dominators are going to be pretty important for this race. So when you're building lineups, I want two to three dominator builds per lineup and if you're using a fantasy cruncher or an optimizer or whatever i would say a group like that to make sure that you have at least two dominators each and every single lineup because if you don't have dominators in your lineup it might be fine place differential wise and you can give yourself a higher floor but you're not going to want a tournament or anything like that even in cash games i still think you need two to three dominators in all of your lineups so it's kind of like how the strategy is of how i'm going to approach putting lineups and since this is a short track they're going to be using the short track package which is 750 horsepower pretty much low downforce, high horsepower, and at other tracks, it's high downforce, low horsepower. And I'm actually more of a fan of the short track aero package. The racing is usually a bit better, so if you're watching it on TV, I don't think you're going to be that disappointed, because the racing usually is pretty strong. And if you're looking for similar tracks to Phoenix, I like to look at Richmond and New Hampshire for the most part. You could also throw in Martinsville as well, even though it's more of a unique track. But the two most similar tracks are Richmond, New Hampshire, and you could throw in Martinsville as well. And with that being said, that's pretty much it for the strategy. So I think we can get right into the picks, which I'm sure is why everyone is here. 
All right, so getting into the picks portion of this video, I'm going to break it down kind of like in dominators, place differential, finishing position guys, and a cheap option at the end. And we're going to start off with our first dominator, Chase Elliott, $11,500. He is starting in six, and I do realize he is a bit pricey, but like I said earlier, dominators are a premium this week, so we're going to have to spend some dough to get these guys in because these guys can lead over 100 some laps, and that's going to hit value just fine, even though they are massively expensive at 11000 some dollars. But I like Chase Elliott quite a bit here. He crushed Phoenix last year. He was in the optimal lineup in both races. And in the picture behind me, this was the championship race at this track at Phoenix. Chase Elliott won and became the NASCAR champion, but he absolutely killed it last year. And for the championship race, a little tidbit here, he was actually supposed to start in the pool. And then before the race, he ended up having to drop back to the rear because of a penalty. And he ripped through the field quick and ended up getting up front. Had a large chunk of laps, won the race, and was absolutely dominant. And there's kind of like a big three for the guys that were really good at the short flat tracks last year. And you're going to see it coming up in the next two slides after Chase Elliott. But these guys were far and away the best drivers at these specific tracks. And I'm not sure why that's going to change because we have no practice this year due to the COVID restrictions and things like that. We'll get that back next year. But I can't imagine that speed's going to go away. So I'm assuming the guys that were really fast last year at these track types are going to be fast once again. And Chase Elliott was blazing fast at these track types and like I said earlier he was great at Phoenix last season and just looking at the overall numbers at the short flat tracks for Chase Elliott last season he was absolutely phenomenal he had the most average DraftKings points per race 84.4 the fourth best average finish he had two wins four top five six top tens a large chunk of lap slide and fast lap so Chase Elliott I realize he is a bit expensive but I think it's worth it because if he gets up front and could lead potentially 100 laps it doesn't matter what his price tag is you're going to want him in all formats so Chase Elliott Love him despite that high price tag. And just to add on to that, he had issues in both races last year and overcame both of them because in the first race, he started in the pool at the laps early on, ended up having to pit for a loose wheel. So he had to end up going to the back and then he had to work his way back up again. So that's two races last year where he was fantastic at Phoenix and he had to rip through the field twice. So yeah, I love Chase out all formats. And moving on to our second dominant we're going to talk about, also part of the big three last year that I talked about that was so good at the short flat tracks. It's Joey Logano at $11,100. He is starting ninth, and he offers you a little bit more place differential upside than Chase Elliott. He's also a little bit cheaper as well, so easier to fit into your lineups. But I absolutely love Joey Logano. The Team Penske cars, which would include Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, Ryan Blaney. You could also throw in MDB. I know he's not technically Team Penske and Wood Brothers car, but he pretty much is their fourth car. But they ran very, very well at the short flat tracks last year. I'm not sure why that's going to change. So I'm loving Logano. He finished inside the top five every single race at the short flat tracks last year, which is a six-race sample size. He won this specific race last season, the spring race at Phoenix. He won it, dominated, was very, very good. In the fall race, in the championship race at Phoenix, he led the laps early on because, you know, he was on the front row. Chase Elliott went to the back, so it kind of propelled Logano in a better position to dominate. He took care of that, had a very, very strong race. So I would once again expect very good things here from Joey Logano. This is a good track for him, and I'd be very, very shocked if he's not a contender dominate at some point, pick up a decent chunk of fast laps, and should pick up some place differential points while getting a top five as well. So Logano, if you want to make him your second dominant in your lineup because he is starting ninth and he probably will lead the early laps, that'll probably be someone like either Brad Keselowski or Kyle Larson or Denny Hamlin. So if you want to pair him with one of those guys who are a bit cheaper, I don't think that's a bad strategy at all this week. And he was also the fastest car in average game flag speed last of the short flat tracks with an average rating of 3.3 so i'm loving logano should bring a ton of speed and i like him in cash games or tournaments as well in the last dominator really the last of the big three drivers we're going to talk about it's brad keselowski at ten thousand four hundred dollars and he is on the pole so he's in the best position to dominate and looking at the recent phoenix races the guy starting on the pole tends to have a very very strong outing and really the front row first and second 
they're picking up the majority of the fast laps and laps set, which I don't think is that surprising. But yeah, the guys starting up front tend to stick around up front and pick up a lot of dominator points. So I'm thinking Keselowski, even though we have the competition caution these days, which can, which can certainly change things up a bit more than normal and no practice, I still think he's in a very good spot here. He had one of the best cars at the short flat tracks last year. Like I was saying, he's in the big three. He's part of Team Penske. These contracts are his bread and butter. He averaged the second most draft teams points per race with these, the second best average finish, the second best average running position. Overall, some of the best overall numbers. He finished second in the fall race here last year and was very, very strong in the spring race as well. And actually in that spring race, he was super fast in practice. It was actually the last race that we had real practice. But he was he had an issue where he actually spun out in a wreck with Denny Hamlin and Ryan Blaney. Ryan Blaney ended up getting out of the race because of it. Denny Hamlin had damage and kind of killed his day. But Brad Keselowski... It was more so cosmetic damage, but he had a pit, but he ended up coming back up, actually got up to the front, led some laps, got some fast laps, and overall had a very, very strong day. So I'm liking Brad Keselowski here quite a bit. And I know starting the guy on the pole can be very risky because if he does not lead a bunch of laps early on or finish strong, he's not going to pay off that price point of $10,400 because there is no place differential upside to give him a nice floor. He's got to lead laps and pick up fast laps. But I'm a believer in Brett Kislowski here. I certainly think he can do that. Hopefully he does not pull a Kevin Harvick like we saw last week where he did not lead a single lap starting on the pole. He got eaten alive on that first lap. And I don't think that's going to happen to Brett Kislowski. He should bring a ton of speed here. He's just overall one of the fastest cars at these track types. And I think you're going to be playing him in cash games. If you're going to go overweight on tournaments, and with another dominator starting a little bit further back, I don't hate that idea. But in cash games, I like getting exposure to Brad Keselowski because he's going to have some high ownership and the likelihood of him leading a lot of laps early on. It's high enough where I think you should probably just lock him in for cash game purposes. All right, so moving away from more of the dominators, we're going to get into a place differential guy. And I know he probably killed you last week, me included. And he's actually been killing us all season long. He has not had a great year so far. But it's Eric Amaroli here at $9,000 starting all the way back in 32nd. And look, this guy is way too good of a driver and too good of equipment to keep picking up bad finishes. He's also not going to wreck out of every single race. So I'm assuming it's going to be a good race is coming. I know Stuart Haas Racing as a whole, that would include Kevin Harvick, Eric Amarola, Chase Briscoe, and Cole Custer, has not been that great to start the season. But these guys, they're good drivers, they're in good equipment. It is concerning, I will say that. I don't think he's going to have his best finish ever here. But he's starting all the way back in 32nd. This guy at Phoenix or just at short flat tracks in general has some pretty strong numbers. Looking at the six races of these track types last year, Amarillo had an average finish of 12.7, running position of 12.5, had four top 10 finishes and five top 15. So unless he wrecks out, he's pretty much a guaranteed lock to pick up close to 10, 15, maybe even 20 spots in this race, if not more, if that speed comes back to these cars. And if he happens to get his average finish at the short flat tracks from where he's starting, that would be close to 55 points over on DraftKings. So he doesn't have that dominator potential that guys like Ryan Blaney, Kyle Larson, Denny Hamlin have in his price range. But the floor is also higher with them as well. Now, in, in tournaments, I like getting to those potential dominators because their ceilings are like 100-some points. And Amarillo is kind of maxed at close to 60 points. But if you're looking for a high floor guy and you already have some riskier plays in your lineup, Eric Amarillo is the perfect fit there because he could realistically pick up over 20 spots in this race, assuming Stuart Haas Racing isn't complete junk once again. And looking at the specific Phoenix numbers for Eric Amarillo, the numbers are actually very, very strong. Last year, he finished 13th and 8th, then finished 22nd in 2019, but then 4th, 4th, and 7th place. Like, this guy is usually a top 10 contender here at Phoenix. It's just, it is concerning. I know it's early in the season, so I have to put too much emphasis on how bad the Stuart Haas Racing cars have been so far. But I don't think they're going to continue being this bad. So Arik Amarola, he's starting so far back. I think he's a very nice, safe, high floor kind of guy this weekend.
So we're sticking in the mid-range here, but these guys aren't massive place differential plays. They're more high finishing position guys, which are definitely viable over on DraftKings. So we're going to start with William Byron, $800. He's starting 10th. I know he looks 12 in the picture, but the guy is a very good racer. He won the Homestead race this year, led around 100 laps. And Hendrick Motorsports as a whole has brought a ton of speed so far this season. I believe they are by far the best team as of right now. Kyle Larson's won. Chase Elliott's looked good. William Byron, he obviously won a race. He's looked good in all the races so far, pretty much. And then Alex Bowman, I realized he had an issue last week, but he's been pretty strong so far to start the season as well. So I'm buying on the speed that they have. They seem to be a step above the field right now. And William Byron, I feel like he's a bit too cheap here. I realize starting in 10th, it does present some risk here, but this guy has legit top five potential. I love the speed we're seeing at 100 Motorsports so far, but his numbers at Phoenix aren't that bad. Looking at last year, he finished 9th and 10th. 2019, he did struggle a little bit, finishing 17th and 24th, but then back in 2018, he finished 9th and 12th. And this is a guy... I mean, he's a young driver, so obviously he's getting more experience, and he's in very good equipment, and I feel like it's just going to keep getting better. This guy's new crew chief, and they seem to be clicking, so I'm liking William Byron quite a bit. At these short flat tracks last year, the numbers were pretty solid. Average running position of 12.9, three top 10s, four top 15s. Again, it's a bit risky here because he is starting 10th, but he's a guy I think at least finishes at the top eight, which I know is not a ton of place differential points, but it's some pretty good finishing position points as well. And you could probably pick up some fast laps along the way too, which kind of boost up his floor a little bit. So William Byron, a little bit risky starting in 10th, but I do think he is worth it this week. And again, sticking with the mid-range here, and I think he's a very, very similar play to William Byron. He's just a little bit cheaper, and he's starting a bit further back. But it's Kurt Busch here at 7700 bucks. He is starting in 12th, and Kurt Busch, to me, is never a super exciting play. But he's also a very consistent driver, so while he might not be exciting, I always think he's still a nice, safe, decent option in your lineup. The only problem with Kurt is that he tends to start closer to the front, and that's not a bad thing for Kurt. He is a good driver. You can typically finish right around where he starts or gain a couple of spots. It's just... For DFS purposes, it doesn't offer you a whole ton of upside because if he's starting in 7th or 8th and he usually finishes around 7th or 8th or 9th, I mean, that's not a, that doesn't mean he's a bad driver or anything. It just is not that great for DFS purposes. But starting 12th here at this price point, I think there's a little bit of upside here because like William Byron, this guy is typically a contender for a top 10 finish here at Vegas. Looking at the overall numbers the past six races here, he's finished 12th, 6th, 11th, 7th, had an issue where he finished 32nd in the 2018 fall race and then 10th back in the 2018 spring race. So outside of that 32nd place finish, he's been in the top 12 the past five races. So I don't think we're going to see anything change here from Kurt Busch. He's a veteran driver. He knows his way around the track. And looking at the short flat tracks last year, he had an average finish of 10.3, which is right on par with his running position of 10.2. at a top five, three top 10s, and five top 15 finishes. So while it's not a super exciting play starting in 12th, and there's a little bit of risk there, I still feel like the risk is pretty small because Kurt Busch is a guy that tends to not get too much of trouble. He knows he's probably not going to go out there and win the race. I mean, he's got the upside for that, but for the most part, he's just trying to get another top 10 finish, which he's kind of a top 10 machine. And I'd be very shocked if he's not running in the top 10 for the majority of the day on Sunday. So Kurt Busch, I would say he's a very fringe cash play, but I think he could get away with it if he's like more of a last piece fit. But in tournaments, I like being overweight on Kurt Busch because people might shy away from that 12th place starting spot, which does not look nearly as good as some other drivers in his price range. And the last driver I want to talk about, I know he crushed us last week, and he actually ended up being the highest zone driver. Earlier on in the week when I made the video, I was thinking Cole Custer would slide under the radar a little bit, but I guess not. He ended up being the most popular driver, and I saw that coming as we were later on in the week, and I was like, well, there goes the GPP play of Cole Custer that I liked. But man, he ended up bombing, as did all the Stuart Haas racing cars. Kevin Harvick, Cole Custer, Chase Briscoe, and Eric Amarola all had awful days last week, which is surprising because these guys are in good equipment. There's no disregarding the equipment. They're in good rides. I mean, they're all good drivers for the most part. I definitely thought they'd have a much better day, but that was certainly not the case. But 
I'm willing to go back on the back to the well here with Cole Custer. I know a lot of you probably are not happy with him from last week, but I feel like that might reduce his ownership just a little bit. But looking at the cheaper options, he once again just grade that as the best option down here. Now, while I'm not expecting a top 10 finish, there is upside for that because again, he's an SHR car and they, they have plenty of power to him. There's no denying that. It's just they've had a very, very slow start to the season, but I can't imagine it's going to hold up all year long. But this is mainly just a price plan for where he's starting. It certainly makes him viable all the way back in 24. Looking at the numbers, the short flat tracks last year had an average finish of 16.8. He had two top 10s, four top 15s, which is actually very good for, for the guys where he's priced at. Because looking at the numbers, no one else is even close to those numbers in this price range. So Cole Custer, assuming he doesn't have another awful, awful race, he should be just fine. He also finished ninth here in the spring race last year. So he does have top 10 potential. He also picked up some fast laps. So yeah, I know he burned this last week, but I'm willing... I am more than willing to go back to the well here and get burned again by Cole Custer if he happens to have another bad race. Because just the way the week sets up his price tag, where he's starting in this recent numbers of the short flat tracks and how he did in the spring race last year, it just makes me really want to play him once again, even though even though he had a bad week. But in DFS, we have to learn to have a short memory sometimes. But yeah, with that being said, I think we can get to the betting portion of this video and then wrap it all up. All right, so just some of the betting numbers that I like as of right now on Thursday afternoon for the race on Sunday. Things can change, but as of right now, this is what I like. But first, I want to say I want to get a bet on one of the big three to win this race because these guys were just far and away the best drivers at these track types. And assuming that does not change this year, you can get some decent odds on these guys. Now, Chase Elliott, he's the odds-on favorite to win the race, but even then, it's not that bad of odds at plus 550. Kislowski's right behind him at plus 600. Then Nagano is actually the guy you can get the best price on at plus 800, and he actually had the best average finish at these track types last year. He won this exact race last season in 2020 at the, at the spring race at Phoenix. Had an excellent race, so I like getting some bets on all of those guys because I feel like they're the most likely drivers to win the race, assuming that speed shows up once again this year. They all had the best average finish, the most DraftKings points per race, the best average running positions, the best driver ratings, literally first, second, third, and pretty much each and every single category. So assuming those numbers show up once again, I like their odds to win this race. And then getting into some more long shots here, we have Kyle Larson at plus 900 to win. Like I said earlier, I am buying into that Hendrick Motorsports speed. And Kyle Larson, this has been a good track for Larson. Now, we don't have the 2020 numbers to look at besides the one race at Phoenix because he got suspended for the rest of the season after Phoenix because he got in trouble during the COVID break that we had. But Phoenix is a pretty good track for Kyle Larson. You got to keep in mind that was in the 42 car as well. Not terrible equipment, but not the best equipment in the world either. But his numbers at Phoenix in that 42 car... He finished 4th, 4th, 6th, 3rd, and then 18th in the 2018 spring race. So I think he should be a top three contender for the most for the majority of this race. He's also starting in 2nd, so he's got good track position to start the race as well. I also think he's a really decent pivot off of Keselowski in tournaments if you're looking to fade one of those drivers or just fade that Keselowski chalk. I think Kyle Larson, if you're fading Keselowski, it probably would make sense to play a guy like Kyle Larson or Denny Hamlin. But yeah, I think that speed's going to show up for the Hendrick Motorsports cars once again. And Kyle Larson in that number 5 car. I think he's going to have a really, really big season. And we saw the last week where he won the race. So I like getting Kyle Larson to win at plus 900. I think that was plus 1,000 earlier in the week. So the odds have went down a little bit for him. But still like him quite a bit at plus 900. And then Brett Keselowski to win stage one at plus 450. I'm not really one to bet on stage wins. But he is starting in the pole, so he's got the best track position to work with at the start of the race. He also has the first pit stall, so that can work in his favor as well. And the guys up front tend to stay up front, so as long as Keselowski does not have an issue, I think there's a very strong chance he can stay out in front of the lead and pick up a stage win. 
And then Ryan Blaney, the top five at plus 225. I mentioned all the other Penske cars like Joey Logano and Brett Keselowski. I didn't want to leave Ryan Blaney out because I do imagine he's going to bring some speed here. He did last year in the fall race, but in the spring race, he had an issue where he ended up finishing 37th. But outside of that 2020 spring race and the 2018 fall race where he had issues, he's finished 6th, 3rd, 3rd, and 16th. So I think this guy should be a top five contender. The Penske cars tend to bring a lot of speed at the short flat tracks and Ryan Blaney has showed success here before, so I like Ryan Blaney to get a top five at plus 225. I also think for him to win, he's at close to plus 2,000, which is not the worst bet in the world. I don't think he's going to win this race, but he's got a good car. He's a good driver, and there's certainly potential for that as well. But that's kind of it for the betting that I like for this week. And that's pretty much going to be the end of this video, guys. So if you found this video helpful in any way possible, make sure you leave a like down below. Leave your comments and feedback down below as well. Helps the channel out the more you guys interact with the content. And again, check out SuperDraft and use code SAL using the link down below for free money bonus up to $500. And if you want to follow me over on Twitter, I'm at ChrisPinnell16. You can follow Sal as well. You can check me out on my own YouTube channel. i got my own stuff going on there if you like my content. So again, thank you to Sal. I do appreciate you having me on your channel and giving me the opportunity to come on here and branch myself out. I really do appreciate that. So make sure you get some love to Sal and all the other videos that he happens to post because I think he has excellent content. I think he's doing a really good thing on here, letting other content creators come on his channel to branch out a bit. So this is going to be it, guys. Appreciate everyone watching, and I'll see you guys next week for the Atlanta video.